This is Democracy on the Move. Democracy on the Move is a podcast tribute to the people and organizations who dare to reimagine our nation and drive it toward its true principles of democracy. This episode is being released on Sunday, April 10, 2022. I'm Dan Schaefer, your host for today's podcast, and thank you for joining us. In this short podcast, we'll talk about the concept of civil discourse and why it is so important in our political discussions, especially these days when our nation finds itself more polarized than since perhaps the Civil War. But first, let me ask you a question. Should corporations have the same rights as people? Should money spent in elections equal free speech and drown out the political voices of people who don't have lots of money? Well, the Supreme Court apparently thinks so, but the overwhelming majority of people don't. Join Greg Coleridge, the national co-director of Move to Amend. Move to Amend is a coalition organizing to pass a constitutional amendment to end corporate rule and the corrupting influence of big money in elections. Find out how to become part of this movement to create a real democracy for not just we the people, but for all the people. You can find Move to Amend online at movetoamend.org. In last week's podcast, I asked the question, what is the opposite of love? My answer was that the opposite of love is not hate, but indifference. But that's not to deny the power of hatred. While hatred does provide some comfort for those who thrive on attention, the expression of hatred can often become violent and deadly. This is especially true when hatred reaches into politics. When hatred and politics combine forces, you get violence on a mass scale. You get war. The title of today's podcast is called civil discourse. It is a concept meant to diffuse the force of hatred in politics. If you look up the various writings on civil discourse, you come across passages that establish a set of rules and procedures to follow in order to conduct conversations without resorting to violence. The most significant rule of all, perhaps, is mutual respect, to listen, to acknowledge each other, and the ability to talk without the fear of reprisal. The American University in Washington, D.C. has this to say about civil discourse, quote, One of the most important educational, political, and social issues of today is how best to have a civil conversation in a democratic society. Our past, present, and future depend on this essential process. Citizens gather, listen to each other, debate, make up their minds, and determine a course of action. But the next paragraph issues a warning of what can happen when civil discourse becomes uncivil discourse. Quote, Polarization of opinions coupled with the speed and access of the digital age have made it more difficult to keep our conversations civil in America today. From shouting matches to opinionated blog posts to rhetoric-filled political debates, we are confronted every day with uncivil conversation. Now I would argue that there is no such thing as uncivil conversation. When you're shouting at each other and getting physically violent, you're no longer having a conversation. You're acting on pure hatred, where the idea is no longer to get your point across, but to physically beat the other person into submission. My concern here is that when we, as a nation, allow ourselves to get into this situation, 
a complete breakdown of society is inevitable. Further, I'm concerned because we're seeing nearly every day evidence that not only is civil discourse breaking down, but the breakdown itself is becoming normalized. People are increasingly indifferent toward it. A recent example took place when Will Smith walked up to Chris Rock and slapped him right in front of the entire academy and indeed in front of the entire world. Now, was Mr. Smith removed from the academy? Did anyone detain him for assault? No. Instead, the onlookers clutched their pearls and returned to business as usual. The pattern was there for all to see. Cause, effect, indifference. When civil discourse is lost and its violent effects are met with indifference, the situation will never correct itself. It feeds back on itself and becomes a self-perpetuating nightmare of death and destruction. As another example, which took place on May 22, 1856, on the floor of the U.S. Senate, a Massachusetts anti-slavery Republican senator, Charles Sumner, delivered a hate-ridden speech that targeted certain other members of the Senate for their support of slavery. The title of Senator Sumner's speech was A Crime Against Kansas, where he passionately argued that Kansas should enter the Union as a non-slave state. In this speech, he singled out two Democratic senators that opposed his viewpoint. When talking about Senator Stephen Douglas of Illinois, Senator Sumner called him a, quote, noisome, squat, and nameless animal, not a proper model for an American senator. As if this wasn't bad enough, he turned up the hatred when speaking about South Carolina Senator Andrew Butler. Using a metaphor, Sumner referred to slavery itself as an ugly woman that seduced Senator Butler. Sumner said she is a, quote, mistress who, though ugly to others, is always lovely to him, though polluted in the sight of the world, is chaste in his sight. Now, those words may not seem so vile in today's world, but back in 1856, when the United States teetered on the edge of a bloody civil war, these words were like a dagger to the heart. Well, neither Senator Douglas nor Senator Butler did much personally at the time, but a member of the U.S. House of Representatives, Democrat Preston Brooks of South Carolina, got wind of this speech and immediately trotted over to the Senate chamber, pulled out a metal-tipped cane, and proceeded to violently beat Senator Sumner with it. Blood splattered over the floor of the Senate chamber as Brooks continued the beating unabated. The onlookers were understandably shocked, but they did little to stop the violence. In fact, another South Carolina representative, Lawrence Keat, held everyone off by waving a pistol at them and allowed the beating to continue. Senator Sumner miraculously survived the violence, though he was beaten unconscious, and it was nearly three years before he could return to the Senate. And Representative Preston? Well, he was treated as a hero by his folks back home. He resigned, but was quickly re-elected. He suffered no consequences. Collectively, the country was concerned by the altercation, but in the end, it grew indifferent and no longer demanded civil discourse. Now, this lack of civil discourse was a harbinger of things to come. As you know, a few short years later, the nation suffered the ultimate consequence when the American Civil War broke out. You know, more Americans died in the Civil War than all wars since then combined. The harbinger of war, it appears, is uncivil discourse. Our politicians lately have demonstrated a blatant disregard for civil discourse. Hateful rhetoric is spewed with impunity on both sides of the aisle, though I argue these days it mostly comes from the right side of the aisle. But make no mistake, the left side of the aisle has plenty of blame to go around, for they practice the hurtful art of indifference that I talked about last week in the discussion on the opposite of love. 
Now, don't get me wrong. I know a lot of Democrats and Republicans, and I would go to bat for any one of them because I have a connection with them. They try to rise above the hatred and indifference. They truly do not want our country or anyone within our country to suffer. You may have heard their voices on this very podcast over the past couple years. But these politicians are part of a multi-billion dollar political industry whose purpose, like any industry, is to maximize profits. The two major political parties are not incentivized to actually solve our problems. Instead, their purpose is to maintain the status quo. Why is that? Well, money, primarily. People fund these parties not so much because of political ideology, but because these parties have built empires that yield tremendous wealth for their investors. Wealth in the form of favorable laws, reduced regulations, and government contracts. The only way to keep these parties in business is to motivate the voters, to keep them engaged in the fight. And speaking of fights, have you ever noticed how the word fight comes up a lot in political rhetoric? We must fight abortion. We must fight indoctrination. We must fight for our children. Fight, fight, fight. Nothing ever actually gets done. Congress is locked in a never-ending cycle of fighting. Well, why is this? Because nothing motivates voters more than hatred unleashed in a good fight. And hatred can only survive when people engage in uncivil discourse. The major problem is that people fall for it. And as uncivil discourse gets normalized, the intensity of the fighting needs to ratchet up to new levels in order to grab the headlines. Hatred takes over and civil discourse dies ingloriously by the side of the road. On January 6th of last year, we witnessed the boldest example to date. The people who raided the Capitol were not interested in civil discourse. They were only interested in winning what they saw and continue to see to this day, a fight in which one side must win and the other side must lose. And we, as a nation, stand by, largely indifferent to the act itself. Nearly a year and a half has passed, and the investigation continues. Now, the small players, the ones that actually did the raiding, have largely been given light sentences. And the big players, the ones actually behind the insurrection, continue to flaunt the law with impunity. People refuse to testify after receiving a subpoena from Congress, and they go about their lives not having to pay a price. And America overall grows increasingly indifferent. The pattern is clear. Cause, effect, indifference. Is our situation hopeless? No, it isn't. There are people who care, but they really struggle against the current. The major political parties, as multi-billion dollar industries, are incapable of solving the crisis of civil discourse on their own. What's really needed at this point is enough people to not act indifferent, to call out those who practice uncivil discourse, to set an example of proper civil discourse. The bottom line is that it all begins with you as an individual. Are you willing to not be indifferent? Are you willing to do something, anything, whether it's starting a podcast or joining any one of countless organizations dedicated to making a positive difference, or supporting a candidate you feel can rise above the noise and help make a more perfect union, or maybe even running for office yourself. Look, America didn't become the greatest nation with indifferent people leading the way. It didn't ascend to the world's leading superpower on the backs of people that fight, fight, fight each other all day long. Now to be sure, we as a nation have a lot of uncivil discourse in our background. We're no saints on the world stage. We've done some shameful things in the past. But if you peel back the layers and look beyond the countless disagreements we've had with each other over the past 250 years, 
you'll see the people who really built this nation, people committed to civil discourse. You'll see people who can agree to disagree on some things, but find places where overall we can agree and move forward. You'll see generations of people committed to each other, to listen to each other, to feel free to speak without fear of reprisal, to be truthful, to be productive, and ultimately to be open. Uncivil discourse is a road to endless fighting, war, and ultimate demise. Civil discourse is a road that leads to prosperity for all. Which road are you on? Well, that's it for this week. Join us next week where we will talk with Mia Levis Porter, a mother, gun violence survivor, activist, and a community organizer running to represent the 52nd District for the California State Assembly. We'll focus much of our discussion on the problem of gun violence, the rights granted by the Second Amendment, and where California may be heading over the next few years. You've been listening to Democracy on the Move, a tribute to all those people and organizations who dare to reimagine our nation and drive it back to its true principles of democracy. Please tune in each week where we will feature guests and topics that will help keep you in touch with our march toward a more perfect union. If you have any questions or suggestions, or if you'd like to sponsor future episodes, we'd love to hear from you. Just send us an email at info at democracyonthemove.org or contact us on our webpage at democracyonthemove.org contact. Democracy on the Move is all one word. Theme music, Murky Waters, performed by El Rey Music, used under license from Shutterstock. I'm Dan Schaefer, your host for today's podcast, and I'd like to thank you for tuning in. It's been my pleasure to be with you today. Please have a safe week ahead. We hope you'll tune in again next week.